Ricky is doing an exact performance of the dinner roll dance that Charlie Chaplin does in the movie Gold Rush. Well, yeah, I know you can't see it, but you, um, I guess you just got to trust me. We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are going to be reviewing the 1992 biopic, Chaplin. Based on Charlie Chaplin and not a member of the clergy in the armed forces. <laughs> I just want to make sure that's clear. It's it's very clear to me. Cool. Yeah. Um, this movie uh, came out, like we said, in 1992, and it is based off of the life and times of famous uh, vaudeville and silent movie actor and performer charles charles chaplin you know the name charlie chaplin always sounded like it was a pseudonym like uh like how mark twain is actually samuel clements it's like you just wrote under a different name i always thought charlie chaplin what that's the thing that's the real thing about mark twain yeah same with uh dr seuss theodore geisel he's not a real doctor nor is he a member of the Seuss family. Oh, so much of my life has been a lie. Yeah. I I really didn't know that. Yeah, well, I thought I I guess I didn't think that. I thought his name was really Charlie Chaplin. Um, but that's and, a fun trick to play on people at parties, where you say, "Hey, do you know Charlie Chaplin's real name?" And they're like, "Oh, no, I can't think of it." And you're like, "His real name is Charles Chaplin." Oh. And then, you, and then six months later, you're like, man, I haven't been invited to a party for six months. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> um, so we are going to go ahead and give you guys uh, a brief synopsis of the movie. Uh, so basically, Robert Downey Jr. stars as uh, Sir Charles Chaplin. Um, and the movie is a recreation of the life of the comic genius uh, from his humble beginnings in South London uh, through his early days in British vaudeville, his silent movie career in America and his late masterpieces. Uh, His turbulent personal life saw four marriages and an enforced exile from the U S though he did return to receive an honorary Oscar in 1972. And that's, that's basically what the movie covers. Um, It does star Robert Downey Jr. As, uh, Charles Chaplin, but it is a star-studded cast. Like, like, and maybe these people weren't even stars at the time of the of this movie, like in '92. But like, there are a ton of people, like David Duchovny. Yeah, <laughs> like pre X Files, David Duchovny is in this movie. Working the camera. Yeah, like <laughs> I was watching the movie. Uh, I was watching it with my buddy Cooper, and I was like, "Wait, is that David Duchovny?" Like. No, he's just a guy who kind of looks like David Duchovny. And then he's like like making comments on the edit. Like, no, that's that's him. That's the real D Duchov. Yeah, you also have um Mia um Jojovar, Jojovovich. I'm I always either add in or lose a syllable in her name. Yeah, it's a fun game I like to play called um butcher someone's name. Uh yeah, Mia Jovovich, Jovovich, um, and um, and then you have um, she plays I one of his wives, um, and to uh, quote 
my uh, one of my favorite moments in Space Jam. I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this picture. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd has a, a brief but important part. Played the director who actually directed the first film where Chaplin's most famous character, the Tramp, appeared. Which I didn't realize that that was the character's name. I went to film school. Um, not to brag. Um, brag, brag, brag. Man, these student loans just are the best. No, um, I went to film school. We watched a lot of silent films. Talked about Chaplin. Um, early vaudeville. Never knew that the character's name was called The Tramp. Like Everyone knows The Tramp. Uh, by the way, Robert Downey Jr. does a very convincing English accent. Um, but yeah, he, like I didn't know that was the character's name, but it, apparently that was like very commonplace. I thought that was just Charlie Chaplin. Like, oh yeah, that's Charlie Chaplin doing the Charlie Chaplin character. Not Charlie Chaplin is the Tramp. And I think that's why people think that is not his real name sometimes, because they just associate it with the character. Right. Yeah, like, oh, Charlie Chaplin has the little mustache and the hat and the funny walking cane. Mm -hmm. No, it's actually The Tramp. Yeah. So way back in 1991 when this movie was being developed, uh, the director of the film, Sir Richard Attenborough, uh, wanted to, like, he was handed the project, and he wanted to cast Robert Downey Jr. as Chaplin. Um and there were several people who auditioned for this role. I feel like Robin Williams so far is like the person who has shown up the most as in the almost famous part of our show. Like Quite a he, bit. He has auditioned for so many parts and not gotten them. Um, or just yeah. been considered being like, oh, I bet Robin Williams can do you it because he be could do Robin so Williams. much. Yeah. Yeah. So Robin Williams, Chris, uh, Crystal Billy, a uh, Billy Crystal. Uh, and Crystal Dust Billy is like his his mafia name, right? <laughs> yeah. Bring me Crystal Billy. Uh, and Dustin Hoffman were um, all auditioned for the role, uh, but he wanted Robert Downey Jr. And this is in 1991, so Robert Downey Jr. wasn't really known for much outside of SNL or being in teen movies. I, I forgot that he was actually in Weird Science. Hmm. Um, but like he, he, that's just who he was known for, and he was like twenty. He was in his twenties um, when he played Chaplin, yeah. and uh, the studios actually backed out of the movie. Like once he made that decision, like he stuck with it, and so it took them ten months. Like he went out himself and for ten months and got funding, uh, Richard Attenborough. And so during this time, Robert Downey. Junior just threw himself into the role. He learned how to play tennis left-handed because uh, we found this interview of Robert Downey Jr. recalling that, like, you know, I worked with a tennis instructor to learn how to play tennis, and then I'm looking at these old pictures, and I see that, you know, he was ambidextrous, so he also played left-handed. And so he's like, well, I need I need to learn how to play left-handed as well just to be true to the character. Uh, he also played or learned how to play violin left-handed just because – when you have that much of a delay, you you dedicate yourself to the work. Because uh, Downey uh, is quoted saying, like, you know, mm -hmm. he's like, listen, I just knew I got hired. And it was like month, like 10 months of just like nothing. And he was holding off, not doing other work. But it ended up paying off because he was 
almost considered for an Academy Award. Uh, he did right. not win an Academy Award, but he did win um, an acting award in the UK because they love um, they love the movie. Um, but not so much the rest of the world. The movie uh, did not do well in box office. It was uh, theorized that uh, it had a $31 million budget in U.S., uh, but it only made $9.4 million in the U.S., and um, I think it did probably better overseas than it did here, but uh, it wasn't as well-received in the States. It's a pretty slow-moving movie. Yeah. And long. Uh, it's got a two-hour, 23-minute runtime, um, so it's not really built for commercial success, but the performances are great, and it's a very well-told story. Yeah. And... Um, and one of the things that I also didn't know about Chaplin, I didn't know he was English. Oh, yeah. So I was watching with my wife, and, and we brought up that point of, like, hey, do you, I mean, silent films, you don't associate them with an accent. No. Uh, but it's a major part of the movie because of the deportation risk. Yeah. Yeah, that, that plays a huge part in the movie. I think now is good time as ever to just go ahead and dive into uh, the actual uh, reactions, our reactions to the movie, because um, we've been interspersed with that um, already. But yeah, I think when I didn't know the chaplain was English, and I also didn't know that um, the character's name was the Tramp. Apparently, I knew nothing about Charlie Chaplin, or that he went by Chaz. Oh, well, that's, Chaz! How you doing, that's Chaz? Just, that's just a, a nickname for people named Charles, though. Um, which is, yeah, like on Rugrats, Chaz is Chucky's dad. Chucky is also a nickname for people named Charles. Chucky is actually junior to Chaz. Grayson, if you wrinkle my brain one more time during this episode, I won't be able to handle it. Thankfully, we have Downey, the wrinkle releaser. (laughs) And now for children's clothes, Downey Jr. (laughs) Uh, excellent. Yeah, oh man. So, with the scene, with Robert Downey Jr. first uh, hit the screen as Chaplin in his um, late teen years, he, doing the vaudeville act, was fantastic. Like, that's all Robert Downey. Like, that's all him. Like, no stunt people. Mm -hmm. Like, that's him. That's the thing. He's doing the act. He's doing what Charlie Chaplin did. It that that's what blew me away. Oh my god. So if goodness. I'm if I'm going through my reactions to the film, it was a lot of what? Huh? Okay. <laughs> oh if yeah. I had to like, summarize. <laughs> yeah, like I watched that act over and over again. It was just so well orchestrated and well timed. Like I was legitimately laughing because I was watching it. Like, I was watching this specific act for the first time. And then mm-hmm. when he went on set uh, with Dan Aykroyd, he's like, hey, this kid, hey, listen, I don't pay no minors. Uh, the guy who I saw was older and had the best drunk man act I've ever seen. And then he just does it, like, right in – he just improvises it. Like, he throws his body over um, the suitcase and, like, he improvises the routine. And he has so much control over um his physical comedy and i was just like i was just blown away it's interesting because uh that transformation in from when intelligent actors have to play dumb is very interesting so i was watching an interview recently 
uh, of uh, Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey talking about Dumb and Dumber 2. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Jim Carrey was saying that when Jeff Daniels, be- before he steps into the role of Harry Dunn, he does like a shake of his head to scramble his brain. And then all of a sudden you can see in his eyes that he's Harry. And Jeff Daniels did the did the shake. And I mean, he's an incredible actor, like from Newsroom. He won the Emmy. And then you have him playing Harry, which is like the other end of the spectrum completely. It is a complete transformation. And it was the same kind of thing that you see in Charlie Chaplin. And one of the things Jeff Daniels was saying was when they originally uh, were auditioning for Dumb and Dumber, like people knew that Jim Carrey was funny. But Jeff Daniels had to convince people that he could be funny. Hmm. And Chaplin finds himself in the same situation whenever he walks on set for with in front of Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Um, just instantly, you have to turn it on in that moment, uh, and he just improvises that entire bit. It, so it, it's really a, a fascinating transformation that um, that they're able to make. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and just the way that he could capture the mannerisms of Chaplin in character and out of character. Uh, it was just it, like because he this movie covers Chaplin over several several years mm-hmm. um, because they use um, Anthony Hopkins as a narrator uh, character um, to help move the story along. In real life, uh, it was the most of the movie is or most of the movie is drawn from uh, Chaplin's autobiography of his own life events. So. So they're pulling from the manuscript. Right. But uh, they yeah. added a narrator or just like someone who's interviewing him as a device to help move the movie along. We've been seeing a lot of that recently where it's actually the movie inside of another piece of media. Like mm-hmm. Jungle Book took place inside of a book. Man on the Moon took place. Uh, it, they address that it's a movie basically. Yeah. Um, and he's showing it on the projector there. I think the interesting thing that they – um pointed to it's like small little details um that we noticed when i was watching it with my buddy cooper he was like you know when chaplin first sees a movie he's just fascinated by it like Mm -hmm. he just sits in there and he watches it again and talk about like just seeing people like hand crank projectors i'm just like this guy is like a human flintstone bird it's just like (laughs) it's a living (laughs) just like cranking (laughs) cranking away at the wheel and you think your job's hard right i'm just thinking that has to be like one of the most taxing jobs like the fact that chaplin would be like hey i played again i'd be like no it's like i am sore cranking a wheel for an hour is uh, i just can't think of anything like more torturous than that (laughs) like that that's it that's that's the thing like hey Listen, like you can go to jail or you can you can be a hand cranked or a a hand cranking projector or human. I'd take I'd take jail. I would just take jail. Yeah. But then they send you out in in the chain gang and it's actually just a line of projectors that you all have to crank together. No, there was time now. (laughs) There was time now. But yeah, like he's fascinated by it. And um, it's early America at this time as well. And so you see um, just different cultures coming together, different people um, from different backgrounds being 
being represented in that one room. It's just like a small little shack, but they're watching this movie. And mm-hmm. it was a really cool thing to see him be amazed by the impact that it could happen or that it could have on people. And um, just how film was so new back then. Like they're just literally out in an open field. They have daylight. Um, and they're just like making films. And Dan Aykroyd's like, listen, I'll make more than uh, I make 13 films a week or something like that. I'm like a week. You, you, a week and it yeah. was just I mean it was cool to just see that being adapted and just being uh, mesmerized by early Hollywood and how it was being formed at that time yeah aside from the actual scenes where Robert Downey Jr. is doing the Chaplin bits those are my favorite scenes um, but I think the the coolest, most informational scene is where he mentions how many movies he makes in a week, but it's uh, cutting Chaplin out of when he walked through the set. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he walked in, and you get to see the process of what editing used to be like with David Duchovny. Uh, yeah. But Dan Aykroyd's like, you see this, Chaplin? This is where you really mess things up, right there in the middle. And then they just cut it, piece it together. The guy's like gluing stuff. And then you literally see the film strip fall to the cutting room floor. And there's just so many bits of like, I, I understand early cinema now. Yeah. I completely get it. Just from that one scene, this is what that life was. Yeah. Yeah. Chaplin has 88 writing credits, like in real life, like dude was a beast. Like he acted and wrote so many of his projects. Like he started in, um, you know, 1914. Um, his very first uh, piece is. Um, I'm sorry, I take that back. Um, he, yeah, 1914, uh, making a living as a swindler. That was his first short, and then the first appearance of the Tramp was in uh, Kid Auto Races at Venice, hmm. and that's like the first one, the first episode, or first episode, first movie where the Tramp shows up. Yeah, it was just really cool to see early Hollywood uh, being represented. Um, And then um, the other thing that uh, surprised me in this movie is the movie's rating. This is a PG-13 movie, and there is a ton of nudity. About to blow your mind, I first saw this movie in my high school theater class. Really? Yeah. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Man, like we were, we weren't even allowed to watch um, that one scene of uh, whatever old version of Romeo and Juliet, where there's one partial nudity scene, and the teacher just like shut it off at that time, and then they brought it back on. But there's a ton of nudity in this movie. Like I pretty much like twenty minutes in, just a ton of nudity, mm-hmm. and then I saw those PG thirteen. I was like. Is there a version that I saw that wasn't the version that everyone else saw? But no, it's PG-13 because they only say the F word once. Ah, uh, yeah. There it is. And, 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 that, and that was in one of the silent film scenes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was surprised by that. And also just in uh, Chaplin's life of his his thing for younger women 
certainly has a type. He certainly has a type. It was interesting because I was, um, I think when I was watching this with uh, Cooper, he brought up a good point. He's just like, well, yeah, like because he's like, this is one of my favorite movies. Uh, It shows Chaplin's life, but it also shows that he like was basically like a pedophile. Like, I was like, really? I was like, I didn't know that. He's like, well, people aren't just one thing. I was just like, you're right. Like, I feel like that's what these biopics really show. Um, And that's something that they even touch on in Chaplin is like these like Chaplin played the tramp as a character and he was a really great comedian, but he was also a person um, Mm -hmm. who was doing very well for himself in the early 1900s. And when he went back to London, he didn't feel like he was at home because like there were two wars that happened over the course of his lifetime. Um, And that was happening. And he also married a lot of very um, underage women throughout his life. It's just like, you don't think about the other sides of people that make up the whole person they we i feel like we tend to just compartmentalize people oh uh, yeah chaplin the funny guy who's only ever always funny right yeah and yeah and it's just not realistic it's interesting to think about how these kinds of details most of the time come out after the fact in the form of memoirs like with this um and just thinking I wonder what actors we, when we grow old, will see memoirs for and be like, I had no idea that they were going through that. Like they were just the happy person all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think that's part of the shock when, when Robin Williams passed away, Mm -hmm. uh, people got to see a glimpse of that. We still didn't get the full kind of struggle that was happening, but I mean, you look at someone who is, he's there to entertain and he lives he lives to to basically entertain the world and behind the scenes he was very sad so i mean it well it is super sad like one of the constant themes throughout the movie that was played in the soundtrack was smile smile even though your heart is breaking uh michael jackson i associate with this song because they played it at his funeral when they had the the huge stadium uh funeral there yeah michael jackson considered smile to be his favorite song written by charlie chaplin yeah i didn't realize that charlie chaplin wrote that song he wrote that song so when he's sitting at the (sighs) piano that's the song that he's trying to figure out and write man yeah that's wow smile though your heart is aching even smile even though it's breaking there are clouds in the sky you'll get by if you smile through your fear and sorrow smile and maybe tomorrow you'll see the sun come shining through for you you know the great thing is about podcasts is the viewers (laughs) can't see the tears yeah yeah they they can just hear them slowly (laughs) running down your face uh yeah i mean it's a it's a it's a very emotional movie and um I, I wasn't prepared for that. I was no, like, oh, wasn't. man, Chaplin, man, it's going to be so great. It, man, it's going to be like uh, watching Buster Keaton, like all of Buster Keaton's like greatest hits. Like the, the last scene of the movie, which is him being welcomed back into America uh, for his award. You, you see that whole, like in that movie, man, that moment, <laughs> that whole montage just got me all choked up because they use real footage of Chaplin oh, yeah. and he's just reacting to it. Um, and you can actually see that actual acceptance speech online and um, 
the real version of it is even just it's just as sad because he just doesn't know what to do with the outpouring of love he's just like trying to um deal with it he's just like thank you like he doesn't know how to uh deal with it but like when that whole last montage of all his work of him making people laugh and him like doing his craft um, really well of not only making people laugh but making people um feel like multiple emotions like when he was running after the kid like you felt sad for him and you're like oh mm-hmm. I, like you were cheering for him you're rooting for him and um but that whole montage is what i was expecting to see um but it was only part of that and that was i think the movie did a great job of just showing so many sides of Chaplin. Fun note that we haven't talked about. Uh, the fact that Geraldine Chaplin, who yeah. is, uh, uh, she plays Charlie Chaplin's mother in the film. Her last name is Chaplin, which makes you think, hey, family relation? Yes. She is uh, actually playing her paternal grandmother, Hannah Chaplin. We also kind of glazed over the fact that this was directed by Richard Attenborough. Like, that's pretty crazy. Attenborough. Because Richard Attenborough, you may know him a little bit better as John Hammond from Jurassic Park. (gasps) No way. Yeah. Spare no expense. Spare no expense. No way. In fact, in 1991, when they were making the movie, Steven Spielberg wanted Richard Attenborough to play Toodles in Hook, um, but he was working on this. Yeah, how amazing would that have been? But you know, I, anyway, so uh, and then uh, since that opportunity went by two years later in 93, Spielberg cast him as John Hammond. And it was his first acting role since 1979. Oh, my goodness. That is amazing. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Didn't know that. That's all. that is amazing. Wow. That's super cool. Also, uh I, I see one little uh fun note here that was pointed out by uh commenters on IMDB. Basically the fact that when Charlie Chaplin is picking out his original uh like his hat and mm-hmm. the costume for the tramp, um Aykroyd makes a comment saying uh, what's he putting on a suit of armor? People pointed out that Robert Downey Jr. would later go on to play Iron Man. Uh, one of the original things, like what he did, is he just picked things that didn't fit. Um, yeah, like shoes too big, pants too big. He wears a shirt, but it's like too like he just picked a bunch of opposites. Yeah. Yeah. Which brings me to my next segment. If it is the time in the show for a new segment called yeah. Tramp It Up <laughs> or Tramp Stamp. Working title. <laughs> Either one. We'll put a pin in it. The idea is that if you had to create your own character um, similar to the, the drunk comic vein, what would be your name and your, your gag uh, that you would market yourself as? Interesting. I like it. To make your stamp on the industry. Tramp Stamp. <laughs> You know what? At first, you had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. <laughs> All right. If I could, man, hmm, tramp stamp. Okay. 
You know what? I would. All right, what what year are we talking? Like early. Same. Yeah, same same kind of year, like the the Harold Lloyd, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin. Okay. Uh, the golden years of the silent movie. Great. Um, I would be so I'd wear like a Hawaiian shirt. Um, <laughs> and um, like I'd say like kind of like tight khakis. Um, and I'd play an accordion. Um, and I would parody modern day songs. I'd be Weird Al. I see. In the twenties. Yeah. So I could do it first. Uh-huh. And um, enjoy um, those many, many uh, years of uh, success. And I'd be so ahead of my time that everyone would be like, "What? what's Eat It? What is this a parody of? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I like that. I would, um, would want to play a spy character. Oh, interesting. Um, who, but it's like uh, a spy character who's had one too many martinis. So I would still do the drunk comic bits, but it'd be like with guns and handcuffs and things like that. Nice. Um, and uh, I would have the, the, the bow tie, but it'd be like all disheveled. Um, and uh, I'd be called the Vagabond. Uh, James James Vagabond. Nice. Uh, and the same kind of thing. I'd be in the 20s and people would be like, uh, okay, his name's James. I don't understand what this is a I reference to. I don't get this reference. Who is James Vagabond and why is it funny? <laughs> well, Although well, some could argue even in 2016 it's not that funny. <laughs> I think no, I think that could work, um, especially if you stylize it. Um, mm-hmm. I, that, you actually made me think of since um, orchestras are so prominent – um, I would, I think I would actually play, play a, um, a music, a music instructor or like a oh, conductor conductor. There it goes. I'd be called the conductor and it would just be about like different music, um, doing different things or like music not happening. So I would be playing with the medium a lot. So it would be a silent film and unless music was playing, like I would just be reacting to the music kind of thing. So I'd be mm-hmm. like. Like music, I would like raise my hands. Music wouldn't happen. And I'd be like trying to figure out like how to make it happen, and, like, right? Like try and make sound actually happen through things like that. And I think that would I, be pretty I fun. Think you could continue that that through line though. You'd be the conductor. You'd be conducting the orchestra, but you'd also be the conductor of a train in another film. Yeah. Um, and then I uh, could round out the series by being a conductor of electricity, and it's just. <laughs> 20 minutes of you being electrocuted by lightning or something like that. I like it. That's, that's a way to, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to go out, you go out big. I can only do the joke once. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think, um, I think character wise, he chose a character for the people or someone who, was relatable to everyone right. around um his like or because in the movie they showed just very much how he cares very much for the people um who watch his movies like he mm-hmm. he cares for every man so i think another character would be the billionaire um just someone who is just really really rich um and has so much money he doesn't know what to do with it Mm-hmm. And um, and he his name would be the scamp. 
Oh, the scamp. You, or, yeah, nice. He would play opposite of the tramp. He, the scamp is who the tramp always wants to be, but it would be kind of like a. You remember um, the hamburger guy from um, Popeye? Uh, as much as the next person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jay Wellington Wimpy. Oh, Wimpy. No, I do remember Wimpy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His muscles like... went the opposite way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he would be like Wimpy. So he, he'd just be um, just very well, like just very well off financially, but he's just very clumsy and didn't know what to do. He was always striving for something else. Um, he And he kind of admired the tramp and just like, it's like, oh, well, he has so much, but I have all this, but I don't have anything. So he just like kept on like trying to be charming and well-meaning then ended up just always embarrassing himself Mm -hmm. so that's well yeah that's it i'd take the same idea um but instead we have the the rich guy who's uh always trying to like put himself out there um but constantly embarrassing himself and instead of the tramp it's the trump (laughs) oh my gosh we just got political did it you did it Damn it! We gotta say uh, uh, something for the Democratic Party now, just to keep it balanced. <sighs> the 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 burn. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a character that just goes around setting fires, and his name is <laughs> Bernie. <laughs> they call me Bernie, and let me tell you, it's too cold. We need more fires. If you don't light a fire, then you don't have a fire. But your fellow brothers and sisters, I'm burning. I've never heard you do that voice before. I've never heard myself do that voice before. That's really interesting. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're possessed by a political figure. <laughs> I've, I think I've just heard enough uh, other. Uh, I heard enough impressions to have some kind of reference to go to. Uh, at first, I thought you were Scarface, and then I. <laughs> I got it locked in. <laughs> uh, I think uh, that's uh, sp- speaking of burn. Perfect uh, transition to go to our um, section called headcanon. Now, here's the thing. Um, my headcanon is that Charlie Chaplin and the tramp are the same person. Oh, my gosh. I have no headcanon then. <laughs> <laughs> You stole my head cannon. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. Um, no, we're you actually going nothing. to. <laughs> it's, it's hard to do head cannon for biopics. Yeah. Um, with oh, the only other head cannon being that um, Chaplin does exist in the world of uh, Iron Man. That's the only little piece. Like, I do what, like that. Was yeah. he putting on a suit of armor? Turns to camera. Wings. Turns back. Foreshadows like <laughs> 10 years of cinema. Not even Marvel knew that they were going to be around for another 10 years in 1992. Um, but no. We, ha- Howard Stark's father. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that was the thing. Uh, I thought very much that uh, Chaplin's brother um, looked so much like Howard Stark. Oh, yeah. He really did. Uh, but yeah. Um, we're actually going to go into our um, segment that we haven't done in quite a while. Which oh, is, the segment where we read uh, the entire screenplay back to the audience yeah. so they feel like they watched it themselves? <laughs> That's absolutely it. 
full disclosure, most of this is a silent movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we're actually going to do uh, adapt that. Um, so we're going to take the adaptation of the movie and story, and we're going to take it into a different medium. So I think it would have been really interesting to see Chaplin the biopic as a, a miniseries. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Like yeah. an HBO miniseries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to clarify, like any other medium. So, like, this was a movie, so it could be a TV show, a game, a book, etc. I think this would have been a lot of fun to be um, a version of DDR. <laughs> where you have to do the same moves oh my as Charlie Chaplin. Yes. It's like or one of those motion game. sensor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A Connect Xbox Connect. Chaplin. Oh my gosh. Just Dance Charlie Chaplin edition. <laughs> Just Tramp. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm in. And then like while you're dancing, they have like breaks where it just gives you audio commentary. You see, Chaplin actually grew up uh, in the northern side of um, Edinburgh where he um tried. Oh, I think a break is over. Do a tunnel roll. Grab a cigarette. My father died from drink. What more need be said? It's like, huh. All right. Keep dancing. Yeah. I'm learning and dancing. Smile, even your heart is breaking. Um, yeah, uh, I think that would be good. I, I yeah. think if it was a series, I would still want Robert Downey Jr. to play. Like, if they were to do it today, like, I would want Robert Downey Jr. to play Chaplin. Um, and I would want um, John Goodman. Instead of Dan well, Aykroyd. He was actually originally considered for that role. Oh, well. So that's interesting that you say that. Well, that just means that uh, Hollywood and me, we got the same taste. <laughs> I like the way you think. But John Goodman current day, not 1991 John Goodman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. I had this random thought that I think Dan Aykroyd would have made a really great Fred Flintstone. Oh, absolutely. Like when he was um, saying, oh, yeah. Oh, poor Charlie. You have all the, you have, I got you this job. I gave you all this money. I'm just like, he'd make a really good Fred Flintstone. That is the only thought that crossed my mind in the in that entire scene. It's like, Tell me, Dan, can you walk on your toes? Because uh, that's going to be essential for the bowling scene. <laughs> you have to do all your own stunts, including <laughs> driving this car with your feet. Are you kidding me? It's a 2,000-pound car. How are you, what am I going to do Drive it. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, we have gotten so far off topic. But yes, yeah. what a great point. Um, yeah, I think that this would be a, a really fun TV, like a TV drama. Because like, I think mm-hmm. TV dramas are coming, or uh, bio-dramas. Is that a, a category? Did I just make that up? I think an inconvenient truth was a biodrama. <laughs> it was, yep. and it still is. Oh, they got political again. <laughs> but yeah, uh, something about guns. <laughs> there, it's balanced again. It's balanced again. Yeah, there it goes. There it goes. Um, but yeah, like the the people versus OJ Simpson, for example. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I I think a Chaplin biodrama would be interesting to watch especially with the whole um the red scare and like him's like are you a communist he's like no i've 
why would I ever be? No, like, I think that would have been really interesting to see um, the stakes be raised and to see the story be told over a longer period of time. Because even though this is like two and a half hours long, Chaplin lived a really long life, and I would have loved to see more of the making of the movies that he produced, um, mm-hmm. including um, the one with um, him and Buster Keaton, which I think was his last one. I forget what it's called. Let's say it was called Gold Rush? Civil War, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it was... Uh, no, Green Light. Oh. It was Green Light. It was a lantern. Green Lantern. Green <laughs> That's right. Always forget about that. Sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect fedora. <laughs> oh, perfect. And if it was adapted to that style of uh, elongated storytelling, mm-hmm. he's already coming up in the new biopic of Snowden, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt would be an amazing Charlie Chaplin. Oh, he can do the goodness. moves. He can do the moves. He like, can do all the he, moves. Yeah, so it'd, it'd be an easy, easy fit. Oh, absolutely. That's a great great cast yeah yeah oh love it no one's gonna top that (laughs) which is why we're gonna go into our next segment uh our reasons to recommend um we're gonna give you guys some reasons for why we would recommend this movie to you and others grayson why would you recommend this movie i think it exposes the audience to a form of comedy that is often forgotten uh, silent films, it is so complicated, the comedy that they were doing, the way it's a dance. It really is. And, but at the same time, it, it's, it's about timing. It's about uh, playing to the different social constructs. Like if you watch City Lights, one of the greatest Charlie Chaplin films ever, in my opinion, um, there's all kinds of like so so ever in my opinion there's all kinds of this societal pressure that's being put on these different characters and it's deep there's a lot happening there so um i think uh, this movie is a really good on-ramp if you don't know a lot about that era of comedy uh, and filmmaking that you can really learn a lot and be entertained by the amazing performance of robert downey jr what is up with comedians in boxing and or wrestling? They love it. They love Chaplin or uh, Chaplin with the uh, city lights of boxing and Kaufman. Oh, yeah. with- <laughs> well, there is a lot of overlap between comedy and boxing. Uh, there's is very physical. A lot of the times there's uh, timing involved. It's a confined stage with uh, observers. You have people that are watching you and it's tough. Like it's not a it's not a science, but you can get uh, as good at your own craft as possible. And I don't really know what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it. It really is. It's yeah. It's a dance. It's also just like people rooting for and against you at the same time. Oh, and you usually have to work nights. Oh yeah, yeah you're gonna you're gonna have to work nights. Yeah, and yeah. being shirtless doesn't help but doesn't hurt either what, what are we That's talking been about my here? experience <laughs> yeah and i i recommend the movie because it is a really interesting look like the same reason why i would recommend um 
Man on the Moon. It's an interesting window in it's a it words. It's an interesting look into um an era before us. You know, we look at distribution like I, I think I was the most impressed by just like the whole how movies were made. Like they made thirteen movies in a week. Mm-hmm. And they that they did it because they it was so new and they were just so excited to try something new and they made a business around it, but like you had you just had to have an idea and you could and if you knew the right people you could make it like that was just it, um and these people who um worked really hard and went out like took the risk um were they were given a stage and they they. They did good stuff, um, and I, I'm just I'm just impressed with it. I'm just really really impressed with seeing how we got to where we are today. Because now we literally are capable of making films with a rectangle that we carry around with us on a daily basis that can <laughs> yeah. connect to the electronic waves around us that can easily distribute it to anyone in the world, and that's dumb <laughs> like i i heard someone say once that sergey eisenstein would have given one of his children away just to get an iphone <laughs> like the technology that we have we can make a movie from our pocket seriously like, like and it's just it's amazing to to see that and that how it's it's cool to see how movies have evolved but also how it's it hasn't changed that much because you know, we're still creating community and connections with people with a shared experience of emotion. Like mm-hmm. we're still going out to theaters to watch stories being unfolded before before our eyes to either relate, escape, or um, just be entertained in some shape, way, or form. And it's so cool to see how Chaplin really paved the way for a lot of it and also just to just to um one of my favorite john green quotes is to imagine people complexly like to look at chaplin's life and to see the complexities of his life it's so so cool to see that um and yeah if you just i mean if if none of that sold you just watch it to see robert downey jr just be one of the most amazing physical actor or physical comedy actors. No, just watch it to see Robert Downey Jr. Amaze you with his physical comedy. Cause he nails it just nails it. And it's great. And you also get to see how Robert Downey Jr. Um, basically plays himself now, but like 15 years ago. Oh yeah. Here's something to blow your mind. I'm, with not re- I'm not ready. So I hope your hat's on because you're about to get mind chunks inside of it. Oh, no. I just watched it. Charlie Chaplin and Andy Kaufman were alive at the same time. Okay. Yeah. So what you're saying is that Chaplin faked his own death so he could be Kaufman? Exactly. Oh my gosh. This goes straight to the top. <laughs> straight to the top. Charlie Chaplin is Tony Clifton. 
I would like to use the phone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I'm there. I am right there with you. Charlie Chaplin was born the day after tax day in America in 1889. Sounds so. taxing. All right, let's wrap up this episode. That's just the kind of wordplay you don't get in silent films. <laughs> it's true. All right, so that just about does it for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Uh, so that man, <laughs> <laughs> taxing I think it was Oscar Wilde who said the pun is the lowest form of comedy uh, but he was pretty pretentious so <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and laugh at that pun uh, I liked it alright so that just about does it for our review of Chaplin let us know what you thought of the movie on Twitter we are at Flashback Flicks and let us know what you thought of our review on iTunes and Stitcher, you can search Flashback Flicks, Retro Movie Podcast, uh, find the review tab, rate us, let us know what you think of our review so that other people can find us because we are in a digital age and uh, we can't know that you like it because our podcast is not a silent picture. There aren't any cue cards. We need your feedback because... Uh, if, you, if you're saying to yourself, wow, that's great, I, it's, it's like... We can't hear you. It's it's like we can't hear you over the sound of the music. So you, you, you gotta you gotta send it to us. Hey Ricky, I'm gonna stop you right there. <laughs> and um a correction to an earlier statement. Oscar Wilde loved puns. <laughs> I'm looking it up now. He's crazy about him. He said he could make a pun out of anything. All right, please leave a review. <laughs> Yes, and be sure to tune in next time where we tackle the subject of reboots. That's right. Strap on your reboots because we're talking <laughs> about <laughs> reboots. Man, Oscar Wilde would have loved that. <laughs> yeah, we are going to uh, have a just a conversation about reboots. When is it time to do a reboot? What is a reboot? Um it's definitely a show in the 90s about computers, but we're not oh going to be talking gosh, about Gosh, I loved that show. That was such an amazing show, right? Can we talk about that show? <laughs> sure. I'm sure it will come up in conversation. It already has. <laughs> uh, yes. So you don't want to miss that. Next time, right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until next time, remember to be kind and rewind.